Pig Right -o. let's see this squirrel, shall we? Okay. When you wake up, everything will be fine. If I die, I swear I won't hurt your house. Sterilize the scalpels. Do not lick any instruments. Patient's condition is stabilized. They're understanding human. He's understanding them in their own languages. <laughs> Going through the left ventricle, it's brilliant. Wow. Dub dub, forceps, please. Here you go. That's a piece of celery. Forceps, dub dub. Oh, sorry. Here you go. Still celery. Forceps. Carrot buddies. Forceps. That's a different piece of celery. Got it. Forceps. No, still celery. Never mind, I'll get it myself. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And um, I, I think we already hit a silver lining for this movie right away. Uh, now after watching this movie, I know that the sloth noise at the beginning is saying, uh, get me out of here, I'm dying. So that's yeah, it's nice. Now that I know that it says that. Who knew we started the show uh last May and that's been a cry for help, help at the, the top of time. every show. So it that's, yeah. we should do something for that sloth. Yeah, I'm sure that sloth is dead. Probably. I mean, it was you know, it it was a video of a sloth that we got that sound effect from. So, I mean, just chance, statistically it probably is dead by Right. Now. I mean, that I don't think they're especially long-lived despite their slow metabolism. Yeah. Well, we started this on a so I, I mean, well, look, okay, since Andy brought it up, uh, this show is dedicated to that sloth. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Buttons. <laughs> buttons the sloth. Buttons the sloth. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we should set up the movie that we're watching if it wasn't clear. Uh, it is Dr. Doolittle. It's I, not just, Dr. Doolittle. Just called Doolittle. I'm sorry. It's just called Doolittle. Right, because I've, I forgot there was that uh, op-ed in the Washington Post that said he shouldn't right. use his doctorate title. Uh, that, you know, as a veterinarian, he doesn't have claim to being a doctor. Yeah. He hasn't delivered a baby. Yeah. So it's just called Doolittle. Uh, it came out in 2020. And uh, our theme for this month is good actors in bad movies and... Uh, I'm just going to start here by saying this cast includes five Oscar winners, Rami Malek, Jim Broadbent, Dame Emma Thompson, Octavia Spencer, and uh, Marianne Cotillard, uh, and four Oscar nominees, Robert Downey Jr., Antonio Banderas, Ray Fiennes, and Camille Nanjiani. Michael, she never got a nomination? And it's a, it's a shame. He truly deserves one. He's a great actor. I love Michael Sheen. I'm a fan. Oh, I'm quite positive we will talk more about him as this show unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, wow. It also has a uh, 14-time WWE champion, John Cena. Yeah, but he only does voiceover work, so you can't see him. <laughs> Just roll credits. That's... <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Yeah. Um, and remember, 
don't do drugs. <laughs> if you do, you go to hell before you die. Oh, wow. Oh, man. That made me nostalgic for me. <laughs> that, was, that was a good... Uh, yeah, um, a, a lot of these actors, not Robert Downey Jr., but most of them... Uh, they only voice animals, so they're, they might <laughs> have an easier time, um, you know, not being associated with this movie, but Robert Downey Jr.'s face is all over this thing. Yeah. This is the first non Iron Man role he played since like 2015 or something like 2016, 2014. It's 2014. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, so he finally, I mean, it, it is fascinating because yeah, Robert Downey Jr. who had this whole uh, you know, sort of like second career as Iron Man and built up all of this goodwill and I'm sure piles and piles of money decided to do this. And I, I'm not really sure why. I don't know why any of these people did this movie. I sincerely don't. I mean, I assume that like the people that were voicing the animals just called into a phone. I mean, that's about the level that we get from it. It is weird, by the way, that we're we're starting to see some people that we've seen before pop up. I mean, Emma Thompson was within the last month that that she showed up on this show. Um, you know, uh, uh, who else? I, I'm trying to remember. I know more of these people like have been in in recent stuff. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. Maybe not. Because I can't think of anything we've done with Antonio Banderas or... Well, Craig Robinson was in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. That's true. He was in, he was, he was the silver, one of the silver linings, too, of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, so, um, so he's definitely shown up recently. Uh, I can't remember us seeing anything with John Cena. <laughs> Is that a joke? Yes, it was. That was good. Yeah. <clears throat> it's called a callback, kids. Um, I'm amazed... Because Octavia Spencer is great, but also has some weird things on her resume, like like Ma and uh, Dinner for Schmucks and some other things that we could possibly do this month. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but she's also a great actress. And, um, you know, when she's in good stuff, she's really great. Yes. She has an Academy Award. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess... We should tee this. This is a a remake, I guess, a reboot, whatever you want to call it. This is this is a a franchise that has had several different iterations at this point. Yeah, this is based on a beloved book series, and then there was the fifties uh, or sixties one with Rex Harrison. I want to say sixties, but yeah, I think sixties. Yeah. Um, and then in the 90s, there was Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle, which got a sequel, Dr. Doolittle 2. Why they didn't call it Dr. Too Little, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I think that's why it didn't get a third one. But if this one gets a sequel, could be like Too Little Too Late. That'd be good. <laughs> or or Doolittle Too Late. I mean, that's kind Either of the one. theme of this movie, I think. Yeah, they did little. Uh that's for sure. All right. Um, so, but yeah, so I guess we should, let's tee it up. So, uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays Doolittle. He was married and life, and he was an animated character and life seemed to be pretty sweet. And then his wife went out for a pack of cigarettes on a, a ship, I guess. Never came back. <laughs> never came back. Uh, and he's real sad about it. So he's kind of kicking it around their, their house 
his animals are dressing him and living in his beard. And he's just just really filling his days playing chess with the gorilla. Uh, and then one day, the adventure calls when on the same day, a, a young boy who accidentally shot a squirrel and a girl who sent alone to get him to... <laughs> To, to say, come to the aid of the Queen of England, which, Queen Victoria. Look, this is a movie where a guy talks to animals, and the idea that a small child was like, or like, not small, but like a child was sent to bring a, the doctor. At, at best, 13-year-old? Yeah, a 13-year-old is sent alone to come get the doctor who's going to save the Queen's life. Like, no, no guards or anyone with her, just her. Yeah. I mean... If you really wanted to stretch your suspension of disbelief, you could maybe assume that because everyone around the queen was so corrupt and trying to murder her, she was the only one that could be trusted. But even still. Yeah, we'll go with that. So, so anyway. But so he, even still. So he, he refuses the call to adventure, but then he learns that he's going to lose his house. So he decides to go. He brings the whole gang, the whole menagerie of animals Ah, uh, they show up. Turns out the queen has been poisoned, so he has to go find a mythical island where a dragon is guarding the antidote. But yeah, because we that's really, the, the... I look. I'm going to be real honest. I've never seen any other iteration of Doctor Doolittle, nor have I read any of the books. But the whole dragon mythical island thing felt like a pretty sharp left turn i don't know if that's canonical in other versions but like i was like okay it's like a guy who talks to animals but in like the real world and then it's like nope no it's a weird fantasy world where there are dragons and magic fruit trees yeah especially because it's sort of pitched as this is a unique skill for dr doolittle and that's it's like essentially a superpower or so that's always been my understanding of it. Well, and the way that this movie presents it is even maybe less of a superpower because it's shown that his apprentice, the the young boy that shows up, is starting to learn. So it's like a skill that you can learn if you try and do little is just, just really good listen. at it. Yeah. Yeah. It, this movie takes some leaps, man. Yeah, it it just I like I said I I just didn't expect even the island I was like okay I mean this is like sure this is the time period where someone's poisoned you got to find like a certain thing from an island I I'm with that but then when the island had like glowing stuff on it and then there was a a literal dragon guarding the entrance I was like this feels like you wrote a different movie at the end yeah um, there's a lot that just doesn't make sense about this movie and least like the thing that makes the most sense is the fact that dr Doolittle can talk to animals like that's like oh yeah i had no problem making that logical leap compared to the other logical leaps well, that had to be made and bizarrely that's what they put the most work into justifying because we see what it looks like to other people like we understand how the communication works we understand that it seems to be different languages for different animals, but then the animals can also communicate with each other. Uh, but it, it is just like a skill that you can learn. I mean, look, 
last month we reviewed the dog who saved Christmas, who raised a lot of the same questions about animals that are anthropomorphic. And uh, that world made a lot less sense to me. So I, I give them credit there that they, yes. I understood uh, how the anthropomorphic animals function in the Doolittle universe. Yes. You're already better than the dog who saved Christmas. Yeah. I still, you get into a weird thing of like, I don't understand why just because they can all talk to Doolittle that there is no food chain anymore. That seems odd that like animals just don't eat other animals anymore. Right, especially because they have the lar- one of the animals they have on their in their menagerie is the world's largest land predator, a polar bear. Mm-hmm. That never eats uh, anything in the whole movie, as far as I can remember. Geez, now I'm trying to think: Did anybody eat anything in the movie except for the queen when she got the uh, the Eden fruit? Well, the juice on her. The face. dragon eats some people at the end. For- yeah, that's true. Yeah, hilariously, we'll get to that. Oh, we will we'll dig right in there, <laughs> let me tell you. So to speak. Um So this is this movie is basically it's essentially your standard road movie. They go on a quest, there's someone chasing them, they have one misadventure, and then they get to their destination and win. That's the plot. That is the plot. It um, sure is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it has uh, the misadventure. I, I was just going to say, too, there's kind of a ticking clock, but it's a very weird, like, because there's this idea that the queen is poisoned, but it it doesn't even, she doesn't seem to get better or worse. She just seems to be asleep. And then at the end, they're hilariously just, like, declaring her dead, even though she's not dead. Without having done any tests to yeah. see if she's actually dead. They're just like, point. well, she's she's going to die. So I think like, we... Well, by English law, <laughs> someone is asleep for 72 hours without any sign of change. They are clearly dead. <laughs> yeah, so they're just like ready to like proclaim her dead. But again, she doesn't look any worse than she's looked at any point. Uh, and then Doolittle and his animals like burst into the room. And uh, it, shenanigans definitely ensue. But then... Yeah, they're coming in to save the life of the queen. Yet people uninvolved with the conspiracy are trying to stop them from saving the life of the queen. Yeah, when they had previously helped them start their journey to save the queen. And as far as they know, nothing has changed because the the people doing this insurrection to kill the queen have not like said, "Hey, Doolittle is now an enemy of the state." They, which is the logical thing you do. Yeah, you would think that they would have said, like, she's been poisoned by Doolittle. So if he shows up here, arrest him. Arrest him. But they don't do that. They just no. they try to get him. But they can't because he's too wily. He's, yeah, he's too wily. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has a terrible, incoherent accent that I really don't know what he was going for. Welsh. Sure. Um, in the IMDb trivia, because I did read through that, um, he said he thought he did a passable Welsh accent. Does anyone passable in quotes? Does anyone else think that he did a passable Welsh accent? No, which is even more surprising <laughs> when uh, one of his co-stars was actual Welshman Michael Sheen. Yeah, like does it makes you wonder if he talked to Michael Sheen on the set about the accent because. I feel like Michael Sheen would have had some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. 
how Stephen Gagan let that happen? Maybe because it's Robert Downey Jr. Let's let me ask you a real question. Both of us having just watched this, would you have cared if he had an American accent? No, no, yeah, me neither. I I would have. I think it would have made everything better if he just had an American I, accent. I also wouldn't have cared if he had done the same accent he did for Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, which I'm guessing which is the logic fine. of like why he didn't like want to have the same accent, but it's fine, buddy. Yeah, it's you did a very good English accent, um, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of YouTube videos mocking american people trying to do british accents or british people trying to do american accents um and also doing the opposite praising and that's one of the ones that gets praised because he does a pretty good job in that with those british accent yeah not this though no not this one this one is this is dare i say it dick van dyke in mary poppins bad yeah i mean that's probably accurate Another yes, it's, another movie with talking animals. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one isn't like it's. And it's not even like consistent either. No, because I think the, like it's not like he made a choice. He did a bad accent, but he's held that accent the whole time. Because say what you will about Dick Van Dyke, but he talks in the same accent that entire movie. It's bad. But it's consistent. Also, he's great. I love Dick Van Dyke. Oh, I love Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, like How I'm not. not love yeah, Dick Van I mean Dyke? the accent's bad, but I don't care. He's Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, um, he's earned it. Yeah, he's a legend, justifiably. Also, that dancing Where, is great. What dancing the is dancing? great? Oh yeah, the dancing's amazing. Yeah. Um. Whereas, like Robert Downey Jr.'s accent is is all over the freaking place. Yeah, it's it's not good. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., who I dearly love, is not good mm-hmm. in this movie. No, he's not. He's just he doesn't seem to care that he's doing it. Uh, I, I again, I don't know if he owed someone a favor. I don't know if like he signed on for this before all of the Marvel movies. And they were like, hey, we found this old dusty contract that you signed. Guess what, buddy? Yeah. We're calling this in. Like it, it's truly baffling. It is. It, no, it really is. And yeah, it's just, I, I don't know why anyone who's in this movie is in this movie. I, I truly don't. It, no, me neither. And it, I don't know why this movie was made. I'll, I'll up that ante, except you know what? I know why John Cena is in that, this movie that, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh this movie just doesn't make sense no and it's not even fun bad and it there's also i mean we haven't really talked about the fact that like the animals all riff on modern pop culture lines but yet it's a period piece it does not at least that's my impression i don't know that they ever stayed a year but it did not seem like it took place in 2020 for sure well it's in the victorian era because it's Queen Victoria is the Queen of England. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So we do know who the Queen is. So, okay. So it is explicit when it takes place. But yet there is a lot of references to modern things and like the animals. I mean, John Cena's character calls everyone bro uh, for starters. Um, right. There is a like 
I forget the, I wish I had written it down, but one of the animals does a riff off of like Chris Tucker's, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like that definitely yeah, happened. Yeah, it's Octavia Spencer as uh, the duck. Yeah. She says, do you understand the words that are coming out of my bill? Yeah. So that happens. Like there's a lot, there's other ones too, where it's just, they're, they're definitely referencing modern lines that they should not, unless the implication in this movie, and you know what I'm going to decide it is, is that all advances in civilization were foreseen by animals, but we just don't know because we can't talk to them. But they actually are. The, oh, that was for sure the subtext. The trend leaders. <laughs> like they knew they knew that rush hour was going to happen. And so they were um, actually isn't that. Yeah, it is rush hour, right? That he says that. Yeah. I was trying to yeah. remember my my Chris Tucker. Oeuvre. <laughs> Oeuvre. <laughs> Yeah, so all of that's weird. It's it's really bizarre. Oh, because they they also I know there was another one. They they refer to Camille Nanjiani as an angry bird as one at one. That's point. right. Yeah. They do. So yeah, all Kumail that. Camille delightful though. I just want to throw as a as a person and a character. I, I like Camille Nanjiani. It was weird that the ostrich was so jacked in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of delightful people in this movie, and uh, they're not particular. No one's particular. Well, I hey, here's a teaser. There is one person that I found delightful in this movie, and we'll get to that when we get to our yeah. silver linings. Um, so just to add to the further mis the the one like misadventure on their journey, besides being pursued by Michael Sheen is they have to go to the island of the Pirate King, played by Antonio Banderas, who is the mother of... The father. Dr. Doolittle's... Or the father, yeah, yeah. geez. The father of Dr. Doolittle's uh, deceased wife and uh, holds a grudge to Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, it definitely seems because... to blame him for the death of his daughter. Even though he seems to be like a Pirate King... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what life he thought she was going to live. It wasn't like he lived a very respectable life and it was like, you took my daughter away from this to do your high seas adventures. It would seem like you took her away from my high seas adventures to do your own different ones. Right. But one of the most nonsensical things in, in that sequence is the young boy, Dr. Doolittle's apprentice, uh, has to sneak into the the stronghold of the pirate king which is surround which is covered with lions mm -hmm. and then um get to the tiger painting and basically like they had some like victorian era retinal scanner yeah that apparently all you needed to do was have a retina yeah because as soon as the kid looked into it, it the door opened that needed to open yeah just want to make sure that you know no one without eyes is trying to break in because, you know, if you don't have eyes, you're going to bump into stuff and wreck things. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and he's also guided there by uh, a dragonfly. <laughs> Played by Jason Manzukis Going through the a breakup. Zook himself. Yeah. The Hanong man shows up uh, as a Hainong depressed man. dragonfly, which A plus in that. That's yeah. not who I was teeing up to talk about later. But. No, I knew it wasn't, but I we do we are both big fans of the Zook. Yes. Um who again uh ripped us off in a similar podcast uh called How Did This Get Made? But we still yeah. you know even though we're asking that question this week, we we hold that not against him. No, that's not that I Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah. So 
anything else we want to malign about this movie? Yeah, I want to everything. I don't know. Um, it's not good. It's it's no, not it's a, good. It's a bad movie. The CGI is not good. The animals aren't particularly well rendered or it's, executed in any way. It's better than cats. It's better CGI. than cats. The CGI. Oh, I mean, hey, look, it is leaps and bounds above cats. Because, like, I mean, I give them credit. One better than cats. The scale makes sense. All the animals are the right size. Two, I mean, yeah. like, when Doctor Doolittle is riding the Camille Nanjiani ostrich, like, it looks pretty. Like, he looks like he's riding an ostrich. Like, they they inhabit the space pretty well they just don't really look like animals or move like animals yeah like the long shots all look pretty good but it's like the close-ups of their face like the the mouth movements because they're trying to form human words it never looks right and yeah but yeah no from a distance they they look okay um no i we got to talk about the dragon scene oh oh yeah yeah no we can't pivot to the silver lining with us. So, so yeah. So like, like we said, they're trying to find the, the Eden tree, the Eden tree. They get all the way to the end. Uh, Michael Sheen and his men also show up there and it's guarded by a dragon. And the dragon starts eating people. And then do little because he's a doctor figures out that the dragon also hilarious side note, Jason Manzoukas tries to bond with the dragon under the logic that he is a dragonfly and it is a dragon. Therefore, they have a lot in common, which because they're both dragons, which I'm going to say, I don't think it, it's a full on silver lining. But that idea and his delivery of it did make me chuckle. So, no, I, I, I was I was here for that line. That, yeah. that was something I did enjoy. <laughs> but uh, no, Doolittle starts communicating with the dragon and it turns out that a comically uh large number of things are wedged in the dragon's rectum yeah um now here's what, what i th thought was going to happen um and i'm kind of glad that it didn't i really thought that when they removed all the blockage oh that it was just gonna poop all over him Okay, no, I'm I'm amazed that didn't happen. That was what I thought uh, was gonna happen. <laughs> there was a big fart, like a fart that blew back Robert Downey Jr.'s hair. Yeah, a and, huge fart, and then, always a good gag. And then like thirty seconds of discussion by various animals about how bad that it smelled. You got to assume a dragon fart smells terrible. Probably, yeah. Um, no, I thought that. That his wife was going to be in the blockage. What? Like alive that, like, or dead? Like he was going to find her. I corpse? think alive. And I think that was like, that's how dumb this movie was that I thought I, that like. I did assume that they were going to find his wife not there. I thought she would be like just hanging out by the tree and like, I don't know. At this point, we were into like a weird magical realm. So like I was willing to believe she had lost track of time or something that she didn't like. It, it's been like I've only been here for a week, you know, or something. And then she was going to go home. I yeah. did assume he would find her and she would be OK, but I did not assume that she would when be. When they started removing the blocks, I'm like, oh, God, the wife's going to be blocked in the dragon's stomach. <laughs> Like this is happening, and then it didn't. I was glad. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, I'm now glad too that that hadn't occurred to me, but now that it 
is an option. I'm glad that it wasn't what they went with. But yeah, so he just starts pulling but out. had that happened, would you have been shocked? No, I wouldn't. No, nothing would have shocked exactly. me in this movie. Right. Uh, exactly. But yeah, so it's just like a series of like uh, metal, like armor, basically, like helmets and swords and such are just pulled out of. Yeah, that, that's I mean, that's a real thing, you know, that when you eat stuff that can't be digested, like it can jam you up. Yeah, um, and he tells the dragon to to eat some fiber and vegetables. Yeah, you know, I, I can't imagine the dragon could digest vegetables at all, so I don't think that would help. But, you know, you peel the pistachio before you eat it. You take it out of the shell. Well, then you get into an interesting question, too, of, like, how hot is a dragon's fire? Is it hot enough to melt the armor, you know, before eating the people? Right. Like, that probably would help, you know. Yeah, because maybe you just have the ore and then it could probably process a little easier. It's liquid. And that gets into the physics of how the dragon fire works. You know, is it, you know, chemicals from the in, like all the way down in the stomach? Is it like mixed? Is it a gas release in the mouth? Like, you know, what is the cause? So the movie didn't want to do that work. So we got a dragon butt full of armor. Yeah, we did. And we got to watch Robert Downey Jr., play the reality of that by himself yeah. it really it's funny to think about the fact that when they filmed that scene the way that it probably went down is robert downey jr was in an empty room because everyone else is cgi at that point reacting to a like a director is telling him okay the dragon is now farting in your face while they just blow air at him. while they blow air like yeah a bunch of bored teamsters like aim a fan at him and he has to play that sincerely Maybe there were some people in green suits and tennis balls. I haven't seen the the making of, so I, I don't. Yeah, know. I, I did not. I also didn't watch the making of doc. So, but uh, yeah, so all that happens, and it's classic comedy. Oh, you know what? I love a good fart joke. I'll, I'll say it, but hmm. I think we scraped the bottom of the barrel, so it might as well be a good time as any to pivot. Okay, yeah, so silver linings. <laughs> Actually, no, one one other thing I want to oh. talk about. It's not really related to the movie necessarily, but uh, Stephen Gagan, the writer-director, has one of the most unusual filmographies. Oh, <laughs> I haven't looked. Um, yeah, so the... So he's a writer director. Um, the movies he's directed are Doolittle, Gold, which I don't know what that is, a Heineken commercial, and Syriana. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Um, the movies he's written are a bunch of TV, Traffic, <laughs> uh, Syriana, The Alamo, Havoc. Uh, and the Call of Duty game Ghosts. You know what? And Dr. Doolittle. Maybe now it's making sense. Maybe this movie was like a hilarious prank on Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> who hadn't acted in anything besides Iron Man in six years. And then his agent went to him and was like, well, we do have an offer. The guy who wrote Traffic in Syriana is interested in having you star in a film. And RDJ was just like, say no more. I love his work, whatever it is. I'm in. And then they're like, it's got Jim Broadbent, Ray Fiennes, Michael Sheen. <laughs> and he just signed on without reading what it was. And maybe it really was like a prestige 
drama, but the the guy was just like, I mean, if he's going to sign on without reading, this is my one chance to really <laughs> play a hilarious prank on RDJ while getting some sweet, sweet cash. So. I know. Is that the silver lining? Yeah, we <laughs> did, did we it. do it right there? We did it. No, I, um, I, I have a silver lining. I don't know if you want to say more sure. about this, but. No, go ahead. I, I'm, I, that's the only other thing I wanted to talk about. I mean, look, for me, it begins and ends with Michael Sheen. <laughs> because I love that man. And I loved oh, him same. in this. He's great. He he is the only person in this movie who acquits himself perfectly well. He's great. It, he is just the mustache twirlingest <laughs> villain. Yeah. He's amazing. It's so good. No, he I I'm not kidding. I everything he did, I sincerely enjoyed. Within 3 seconds of his introduction, it was very clear he was the villain of this movie and I was there for it. Yeah, no, he um we often I think award silver linings to people that give the exact right performance for the movie they're in. And that is Michael Sheen in this movie. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, it's great. He hates Dr. Doolittle. They, they went to college together. It's all so dumb and he plays it really well. And yeah, he's, he's the, he's the villain this movie needed. Yeah. Here's the thing in the script. He's actually not the villain at all. He's was in the script. He's actually helping Dr. Doolittle along the way, but he was so pissed off by Robert Downey Jr.'s terrible Welsh accent. <laughs> that he's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the villain now. I'm, I am. I cannot abide this. He's like, I think it's clear he's mocking me. I mean, that's the only explanation for this accent. Like, yeah, it's no, he's great. No notes. Yeah. No, Michael Sheen is great. Um, I thought the voice work, uh, the lines were pretty bad, but I thought the voice work on the whole was pretty good. I mean, it's sort of mixed, but there's some fun. I mean, look, we when we did the Jay and Silent Bob, I, I talked about it then. Craig Robinson can make me laugh at things that aren't even funny just because he's very, like, he has a very funny delivery of lines. And I, I it's consistent. And it happened in this movie, too, where he just says stuff that if anyone else said it, I wouldn't laugh at it. But... No, he cracked me up. Uh, like I said, Benzukas had some some moments that got me. Yeah, no, I would say with Craig Robinson, um, I think his character's game I thought was really solid in that, like, he just wanted revenge on the boy that accidentally <laughs> shot him. Yes, and and the whole like every, I felt like. It, Basically, like the 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 script, Stephen Gagan was like, "Oh wait, we need to make a reference to this again," and it would pop right in where he'd say, "Squirrel's log, day unknown." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which again also is another one of the pop culture references because that's definitely a play on like Star Trek. So once again, right. the these animals are making references to things. But no, Craig Robinson was very funny in this. Um, um, I I like yeah. Octavia Spencer. I don't know that her character was particularly great in this, but I. I enjoy her. I like John Cena in the same thing. He called everyone bro a lot. He did call everyone bro a lot. <laughs> um, I think it's weird that Will Arnett didn't get credited for his voice role as the rabbit. I'm pretty sure he asked her his name to be taken off of this. He's like, guys, <laughs> I make a living primarily now doing voice work. I can't have people knowing this is me. Like, come on. I did the voice. You can use it. But I, I need that Lego Batman money. Like, don't do not do this to me. Yeah, that you might have a point there. Um, 
Well, yeah, no, Arnett was was delightful. I I did enjoy that Ray Fiennes played the depressed like uh, tiger that was trying to eat him. Yeah. It's uh, if you're trying to pull anything else, I I don't know where where you're going for it. I the, what is, I did think of another thing to malign, but we're past that. Well, go ahead. Um, yeah, because I, I do want to talk about this. So uh, the end credits um, is a series of, of paintings mm-hmm. that there's no way those paintings could have been made. Because one of them is of Michael Sheen, like falling down the, the hole that he falls in in his ignominious end at the hands of the dragon. Um, and there's just other there's it's just like this is like no one sat for these portraits. This is dumb. And that made me angry. <laughs> okay. Um, but then there was the post credit scene when Samuel L. Jackson came in and uh, told Doolittle that he wanted to tell him about the Avengers initiative. So, yeah, no, that was, that I that thought was, was really sweet. good. Uh, I just, this is not a silver lining because she seriously was given nothing to do. But. When I realized that Jesse Buckley was playing Queen Victoria, Same. I love her so much and uh, she's great. So watch other things that aren't this that she was in for sure. Yeah. I was like, oh, my, it's Jesse Buckley. Yeah. Look at that. No, she's great. And she's having a really good, like she had a really good year last year. Like she's, she's going to be a big thing soon. Like she did Fargo and uh, the Charlie Kaufman movie that has a very generic name. That's something like I thinking of leaving you. Is maybe what it's called. I think that's what it's called. I'm thinking of leaving you. But she's really great in that too. I enjoyed her in all of those things. So yeah, no, she's she's a delight. She's very funny, very good actress. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that they bothered to cast her for this part. But sure, it was probably before all of those other things. That I'm I mentioned. sure it was before she was anything. Because <laughs> uh, I also think this movie got, uh, from what I was reading, it was shelved for a while, had some reshoots, did not test well. So this this movie's probably been in the can for a while before it was actually released. Yeah, that's probably. And then 2020 rolled around and they were like, well, this is a garbage year. It's perfect time. Let's just get, let's just get this out there. (laughs) But Michael Sheen's great. Let's talk about how great Michael Sheen is. Michael Sheen is great in everything I've ever seen him in. And I love him. He's, he's delightful and he's really funny. Like, and he's good. I'm going to see him and Simon Pegg do a thing. That would be great. Because I think I think they could play brothers in a thing, and I think it'd be really good. Also, if you've never seen Good Omens, watch that for sure. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. Or him uh, in Thirty Rock playing Wesley Snipes. <laughs> he's also great as Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Um, he's great playing uh, the Prime Minister and the Queen, uh, the Helen Mirren one. He plays uh, David Cameron, maybe. Mm. Sure. But he's great. Yeah, I um, believe it. I haven't seen it, but it's great. That's a great movie. We'll never talk about. But I'm sure there's a Helen Mirren movie we could talk about for this podcast. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it? No, sorry. I'm just remember he was in Frost Nixon too. He was really great. Yeah, that's right. He was Frost and Frost yeah. Nixon. He was great yeah, in that too. Yeah, that guy's good. He's good at acting. Michael Sheen's a good actor. Yeah, he was also in the uh, Twilight series, which if we ever do that, we'll probably end up talking about him more. Yeah, um, way more like. I don't know why he doesn't talk about his dad and brothers more because like it's like you'd think he'd want to 
associate himself with Martin and Charlie and Emilio. He wants to make it on his own, though. You know, yeah, I, mean, I guess. Well, also, I mean, they sent him to England as a child, so he's a right. little resentful. So he probably feels abandoned. Yeah, understandably. But no, he's great. I love Michael Sheen. He, like, no, he really in this movie he does the exact right amount of mustache twirling that so that it's such that it's not over the top. No, he's great. He no, he's yeah. I I'm not kidding. I he he made this movie more wa- like because again, Robert Downey Jr. is doing whatever it is that he's doing, and everyone else is poorly rendered CGI. So the only person giving a truly captivating performance is Michael Sheen. The kid was fine. I mean, the kids are fine. Both of them are fine. Um, and, and you know, Jesse Buckley's great, but she's asleep for 90% of the movie. So, yeah, she has two lines. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, hey, we did it. No, I think we did it. Um, I feel like this is saying Michael Sheen is a good part of a movie is about as much of a cop out as saying that John Williams made a good score, but... Hey, I think it counts. And when we reach the point where he gets as much credit for his acting as John Williams gets for composing, then it'll be that much of a cop out. But, All right, that's okay. I'll give you the, that. I, will, I, I still fully... would maintain he's criminally underrated, considering how good I actually think he is. Yeah. I. I okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But he. I mean, he is great. Yeah. Always. And he's and he's funny, and he's charming, and he just plays evil so well yeah he's he, so yeah he's good that guy's good this movie has one silver lining yeah and it's michael sheen it's him and then maybe occasionally some of the couple of good lines the voice actors make you laugh so yep there you go also it, it, is. it didn't ruin will arnett's voice acting career which i like so that's a silver as line. far as we know that time will tell on that one that's true i guess it hasn't really been enough time to know if he's still getting work but he's a great lego but batman he is a great he is a great lego batman <laughs> all right well i think that's gonna do it for us uh all that it's time for and we're both very prepared for this and so i don't know why i'm stalling this much because yeah i don't know why you should just really get to the sign off that we've come up with yeah so um it's obviously prepared and and well 100 yeah, percent and well thought out so all right here it is boners silver linings playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on apple podcasts hear more great shows on the peak sloth podcast network like this one how many times has this happened to you i just want to listen to a podcast i can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups you want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. <laughs>